Madison's Alternative, 106.7 The Resistance. This week on the Disruptor Series, I'm talking to Campbell from Vacations. Hello. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You guys have a lot of new songs out right now. You've been teasing a new album, so we kind of have a lot of questions for you. Yeah, fire away. Next Exit is the song that we're playing right now. Can you tell us about that song? Sure. So Next Exit was one of the first songs I actually started writing for the new album before I realized it was going to be a new album because I had writer's block for about three or so years just with vacations. I was writing for other people during the pandemic and everything, but um, I was sort of struggling to figure out what our new voice would be or what like the next sound would kind of be. Um, But I was in Austin, Texas while I was on our first US tour and we had some downtime. So I booked a studio and I had a small like idea of what I was like wanting to do. There are all these synths. So I had a melody and I had this like initial intro idea for a couple of months and I sat with it. And then eventually it all kind of came together very quickly. I think that song was recorded in like December last year. And then it was out like a few months later. Like the turnaround was so quick, especially, um, considering that most of the time you're sitting on a song for like two or three years before it even comes out. So that was really refreshing. But yeah, the song just kind of deals with sort of this idea of being stuck in a a repetitive, monotonous cycle and wanting to break out of that and try something different. So you said that you wrote this song before you even knew that there was going to be an upcoming album. Is this song one of those things that was like, actually, this song is for vacations. This is what's happening. Yeah, when I wrote it, I was like, okay, this is the first time I've written something where I feel like it's very strongly tied to vacations and I can't really imagine it any other way. Because sometimes I'll write a song and I think, oh, well, I might send this to my friend and see what they think. Or I might save this myself. Or, you know, you write a song sometimes to eventually get to that great song you know like you got to write like a lot of kind of terrible songs then you write like that one that's like okay this makes sense um so yeah next exit just felt appropriate and then once there was sort of that foundation it gave a sense of direction for what the album could be so yeah i really enjoy it it's really fun i love playing it live and it's just so fun hearing everybody scream the lyrics back because there's that drop at the start of the song where it's just my voice and then it crashes into that first verse and it's just so satisfying i love how when you are promoting a new song coming out you will often talk about the inspiration or what it meant for you and Mm. a lot of artists are like i don't want to give anything away because I want it to mean something specific to listeners. I feel like even though you say what brought the song on, people can still relate to it in their own way. I think it's a window into your process that people really appreciate about you. Oh, that's really sweet. I was thought of it like that. I can see how that would be the case. I try to write, I've actually tried to do it less with this album, but trying to write maybe less ambiguously because I would in the past to just make songs universally relatable. Yeah, I mean, I'm always going to have my own meaning with the song, but it is nice to be a little bit more direct. And if listeners want to infer their own meaning, there is still that sort of space where they can do that. Even with Midwest that came out earlier this summer, you say that it was a breakup song, but also very upbeat. It's not going to sound like a breakup song. Yeah, so I guess in that case, that's a very direct, like, this is what the song is about. I'm not sugarcoating it. There's no flowery 
imagery or alternate kind of interpretations it is very much like this is a breakup song <laughs> but i because i've never really written a breakup song so i always felt like if i was writing one i would just sort of be like this really upset and like really like blah, like this and that and like i just sort of angry at that ex-partner or something I, I just wanted to come off in like a nice way like the nicest way possible which is kind of funny because <laughs> i'm probably the only person that feels that way but I just wanted to write like a really upbeat, just a fun song, like just something that like really captures a certain moment, but the lyrics are quite vulnerable and emotional. Cause I guess I just wanted to create something that's like, yeah, it's really fun and you can dance to it with your friends, but there is still that like emotional depth or that narrative that is like, again, universally relatable. Like people can really connect and see themselves in it. When you posted, you also said, because so many things just went wrong at mm. once that all you could do was laugh and keep going. And I think that's another thing that almost everybody can relate to, especially post pandemic. And we all kind of went through this experience of just like, what's next? My December was very hectic where I went through a breakup. I moved back to my parents briefly. My car got stolen. Like this was all in the space of a week. And it was just so much. And I was, it, it gets to a point where it's like, well, I can't really get any worse. I can only kind of get better. So <laughs> I, I'll just keep going. Especially when it's a lot of stuff that's out of your control. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. What really... are you going to do? Become an Avenger and get your car back? Like, yeah. And <laughs> I got to just let that go through. I wish it was that simple, but. <laughs> So then after Midwest, we've gotten to hear terms and conditions, which uh, you've also shown on your social media pages that this song is much different from Midwest. This one is a lot more melancholy, and this one is a lot more personal to you, it yeah. seems. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I guess that song is also, um, again, it's really direct in terms of its subject matter and talking about my, I guess, struggles with mental health and, you know, eventually going through therapy and getting diagnosed with pure OCD and sort of coming to terms with this other version of yourself and being okay with that. And it's kind of strange um, to sort of even think that it's out into the world and it is something that is so vulnerable, but it has really resonated with a lot of people, again, because even if people haven't directly had the exact same experience I have, it's still, um, again, I guess, a universally relatable subject matter with mental health and going through those struggles and has this tour been easier since your diagnosis? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm pretty, like, for me, um, I went to therapy for about three years. And I feel like I've gone to the gym, essentially, and I've come out completely shredded. And, you know, I can bench press and deadlift and squat and overhead press. Like, I can just do anything. And, like, I'm just really fit. <laughs> so... In that sense, very fit, like from an emotional standpoint. So I've learned how to, I guess, deal with a lot of things that would have been quite a struggle for me in the past. And I just feel like a whole new brand, a brand new person, essentially. So touring isn't as difficult as it used to be. I think a lot of things that might have triggered or done something to my psyche don't necessarily affect me anywhere near as much as I used to, just because I have those strategies and coping mechanisms and more experience and like being more in touch with myself and knowing who I am. So I'm extremely grateful for going through that process because I would be a completely different person if I didn't. In saying that, I've also been traveling for the past six or so months with no fixed address, just traveling the world, which has been really like, it's been a very beautiful experience. And again, I'm very grateful because it's all possible through music. But I recently just got settled. I moved to LA 
got a house there. So it has been really nice to have my own bed again. Being away on tour, I'm sort of like, ah, I'm just, I'm really excited to get back and just sort of feel settled and do normal things again. Like I miss cooking, I miss doing my laundry or just sitting at home and reading a book, like things that might seem kind of mundane and boring or quite thrilling to me at the moment. It's hard to have a routine when you're traveling all the time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Especially when you're dealing with multiple time zones and constant flights. I spent 10 hours at the airport in Singapore and I never want to do that again. That was like, I was losing my mind. Like, I, oh my God. It can also be super stressful to travel that much and be like, okay, what time do I have to make this flight? What time do I have to make this train? Where am I sleeping tonight? When will I have a chance to sleep? So that can really take a toll on anybody. Yeah. And then to be like half a year, that's pretty intense. It's, you know, it's a lot. The thing is, I've just become so conditioned to it that it's like my normal, like getting on a plane for me now is like getting on a bus or calling an Uber, which sounds very privileged and I'm fully aware of that. But it's just at the point now where it's like I do travel so much and it's all through music and it's because of my job and it's because we need to play shows in other countries. And I'm at the end of the day, so happy to be doing it. But yeah, it is to say that it isn't draining in any sense would be very naive. When you brought up tour, you recently wrapped up a couple stops in Asia. You're in Europe right now. Do you have a favorite place that you've played so far in the band's entire history? Ooh, that is a good question. Mexico City comes to mind. And there are a few spots throughout the US, like El Paso and I think San Antonio. I, I remember those crowds were just, all those crowds were just so thrilled and excited to be there. And you could tell they were so passionate. Same with places like Singapore and uh, Manchester as well. All the London shows we've done too. It's just, I will never get used to the fact that our songs have just traveled all over the world and people can just resonate with it on such a deep emotional level. And again, they're just singing the words back and they're making friends and they're having these experiences. And sometimes it's their first show as well. And like, I, it really transports me back to being 15 or 16 when I first started going to my first shows. And, you know, you really get influenced by what you're listening to at that age. It's a lot to take in, but there's too many places, honestly, to try and narrow that down. Yeah. I've got too many favorites, I guess. Do you remember when your music started going international? Yeah, I do. 2016, it would have been January or February when Vibes was out for about a month or so. And there were a few people on the internet, a few content creators on YouTube that had quite a following, like David Dean Birkenhart. And I honestly, I can't remember the rest, but they would upload a lot of underground indie music. And it was sort of at the time where Bedroom Pop was starting to take off. So a lot of artists like, Claro, Boy Pablo, Yellow Days, a lot of really like wonderful bands were starting to come up and it was this whole sort of new sound. And I guess we sort of got carried into that wave because we had this whole like chorus guitar, Mac DeMarco type beat. A lot of people, yeah, started listening to it. And that was, again, that was like really overwhelming to consider <laughs> because I never really imagined my music traveling to that extent. I was so into my DIY music scene in my hometown, Newcastle. I was just making music for myself and my friends. Like I wasn't thinking of the next city over, let alone the next state or country. So when it was on the internet and people from all over the world were looking at it, it was a lot. It felt like I was sort of this display piece just to be, you know, analyzed and perceived by everyone. <laughs> so that felt quite strange. But um, it's gone to the point now where it's there are so many people out there listening to us on a daily basis that it almost cancels 
everything out. Like for any like negative comment, there will be a hundred positive comments. And it's just sort of like, you, you just have to learn to tune out of that because if you get into it too much, and I definitely did when I first started to see it, it just really takes you down. It's just really weird. Anyone that has a following, whether they're an influencer or an artist or in any kind of medium, it's like they will experience that. So yeah, that's funny. That's a bit of like <laughs> nostalgia trip, trying to think of when that was first going viral. Was it hard for you to get to a point where it was exciting to be in the spotlight? Yeah, I. Uh, that's it. Okay, so that's an interesting one because like that's sort of tied into the whole pandemic and going viral through TikTok. So that was like a whole weird disassociative experience where it's like we're doing more numbers than ever in terms of streaming, but then the world's also falling apart and we can't tour in that moment, yeah, I guess I, I did want to be in the spotlight because things were starting to fall into place. And it's like, okay, like, it's looking like we can do our first US tour and we can start playing these bigger shows and finally get to play in front of all these fans. But then, yeah, you're being, again, it's like you start being perceived maybe too much and it gets a bit weird. And it's like, well, are people enjoying us for our entire discography? Are they really just focusing on that one song? Are they fans or are they just like here for the short term? Yeah, it, it's a very, it's a very strange thing. But once getting over that hurdle and actually getting to finally do those tours and seeing how fans connect to other songs or other albums, it, it's it's kind of wild, I guess. This is a, sort of a side tangent. But for instance, last night, like we're playing songs from Days, Vibes, Changes, Forever in Bloom, like the whole catalog. And there's always a reaction to every single song. Like it's just, it, it's really crazy to me. It's not just like a one hit wonder kind of deal or anything like that. It's just, I guess, getting that exposure firsthand in a context like that like in a space where it's like this is real this is physical it's not just numbers on a screen made me excited to be in those spaces again and just sort of being present <laughs> and being in the spotlight like it makes me want to be in the spotlight more because i guess when we were going through the pandemic it felt very isolating and it felt like we were very uh sheltered and we're only really just sort of to ourselves. We didn't really understanding of what it was actually going to be like playing those shows and seeing our fans and talk, getting to talk to them or sell merch or sign stuff. It's just like changes your perspective. I've talked to some bands who started in like 2018, 2019, released music at the end of 2019 and at the end of the pandemic had still never done a live show. Mm. So three years after music is coming out, they're trying to figure out how to do a live show. <laughs> Yeah, that's really weird to me. And you know what? I think they're figuring out how to do a live show, but also fans are figuring out how to attend a show. Like, mm -hmm. I've talked about this with so many of my friends throughout this year, but I feel like Gen Z kids or iPad babies um, through the pandemic and just through social media and everything don't really have the show etiquette. And I mean, it's not necessarily something that's tied to a rule book, but I feel like when I first started going to shows, I was extremely young and was very grateful to be going to so many shows that were organized through like the local music scene and really learning i guess through that like what to do and not do subconsciously and i've noticed a trend of post-pandemic crowds are very i guess almost just straight up disrespectful um and again a lot of my friends in the industry have experienced it and i've seen plenty of articles from other artists you know stopping shows or stopping mid-song to address certain behaviors, whether that's fans just throwing things at them on stage or talking too loudly or um, 
one I've weirdly experienced a lot is fans will just sort of talk to me after a song is finished and ask me to take their be real, but it's like they're halfway across the room and they're shouting at me, and I just feel like it's almost like, well, are you there to actually experience the show and be part of a community, or are you there to make it about yourself? Mm-hmm. Viral moment on your social media platform of choice. Like it just feels very disingenuous, and it's like artists aren't toys or puppets for your amusement i mean we want to entertain but it's like i also want to perform and be respected i don't want to just sort of do anything at like the will of like my fan base i don't think anyone wants to do that you know it feels very weird yeah especially when you like pay to come and see the show yeah and that's like you know we've probably been traveling for 10 hours that day to get to the next city and we're all fatigued and we all miss our partners or we all feel a little bit isolated or like you know i maybe one of us wants to go to the gym or have dinner but we can't have dinner because we have to do sound check it's so exhausting and it's like you know you finally get to play this show and you're probably only playing for like 45 minutes to an hour and then you get you can have that one fan just call out and say something i've had some fans say some pretty weird things as well like just cat like not like cat calls i don't know that that's a whole like rabbit hole of a conversation there but it's just weird it's just really weird and it's like i'm on stage i'm here to play my songs like i want to be like entertaining and funny and have like a level of dialogue where it's like you know i'm just like you i'm not this artist to be put on a pedestal don't idolize me as some god because some people do that and that's also really weird i could rant forever about it i i just i'm curious to see how that will change over time i guess as people go to more and more shows and hopefully become more attached to their local music scene and maybe they start their own bands and maybe there's more of a dialogue and people talking out about it because i have just noticed it's it's just the etiquette has gotten so much worse everyone take note when you guys are on tour in the u.s it is a drive but we'll be able to see you in chicago saturday october 7th i think it's very smart you're gonna play the midwest in october then head south before the winter starts that's very smart <laughs> perfect <laughs> yeah but yeah no throwing stuff no heckling the artists at the house of blues in chicago october 7th okay that's the thing though you can you can heckle you can there there is a certain it, it's strange it's like you should know but i you can't be told how to do it it's very weird i guess maybe double standard but it's like just be respectful about it you know mm-hmm. Sometimes people will shout out things and it's really funny and it makes me laugh and it just makes that whole experience feel more human. And, you know, it's not like, again, you're seeing this like otherworldly figure perform on stage, like we're all just people. But then it's like, yeah, when some people are like heckling you and making comments about like your appearance or, you know, they want you to like, maybe they want you to sign your shirt halfway through a concert when there's a thousand other people in the room. It's just really weird. Like, just, I guess, think before you do. Yeah. You've hinted that there's a third studio album on the way. Can you give us any details on that? Yes. So actually, I don't know if I can, but I guess the one detail I can give is that it will be out early next year and that I'm very excited. So can we expect more singles in the meantime? Uh, You can expect one more single before the tour starts. Okay. And I think um, for a lot of fans, yes, there will be vinyl because I know that's a big request. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to me today. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. We're going to check out Next Exit by Vacations right now on The Resistance. I hope you enjoy.